0: Again, welcome to Thursday in the City. Our guest this week is Dr. Gerald Cleaver, uh, cosmologist and professor of physics at Baylor University. Uh, His Ph.D. uh, in uh, string theory and early universe cosmology is from Caltech, and uh, he's done postdoctoral work in physics at Ohio State, the University of Pennsylvania, and Texas A&M. He's also done a workshop on matter antimatter propulsion. I found that very interesting. Uh, and he's a blue belt in Taekwondo. So, wherever he travels in the universe, he could very well kick your butt. Um, <laughs> so, welcome Dr. Cleaver tonight, if you would, to Thursday in the City. Thank you all. Thank yeah, you. I appreciate the opportunity abs- to be here. Absolutely. This is just so exciting. And we even have toys up here to play with, so uh, this is great. Um, first of all, uh, again, uh, thank you. I wish I could have been in on that uh, workshop on Matty antimatter propulsion. Uh, that, that would have been great uh, for the USS Enterprise, I think. Um, first of all, what is a cosmologist? Now, we were joking, and maybe I can't remember if I told you we were joking about the difference between a cosmologist and a cosmetologist, and... Um, we, in any, you know, and I, I thought, I was thinking, I've been thinking to myself that it's probably similar because any good hairdresser knows how the universe works. I mean, you know, if you think about it, every, everybody tells that hairdresser all the secrets and that, that person knows. In fact, uh, there are things known as quantum hairs. Quantum, oh, seriously? Seriously, of yes. Of course there are. That uh, black holes can have quantum <laughs> hairs. <laughs> it's time for a makeover for that, uh. <laughs> Cosmology, a double major in cosmology, cosmetology. It, it's, uh, you heard it here first. Okay, but really, help us to, what is a cosmologist? Help us to understand the job of a cosmologist,
1: Gerald. A cosmologist seeks to understand um, the questions, the fundamental questions about our universe, or in fact, it's, it's gone at various stages. But Basically, I would say uh, a cosmologist has sought to understand um, the realm that we perceive um, in, as the physical world okay the, the physical and, and world the physical because world, there are and it's questions through stages there are
0: questions of the universe like why is there evil and suffering but but you're talking about not the philosophical realm
1: but The scientific the, analysis the, the
0: scientific analysis the physical realm matter and energy uh, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of thing uh, why is there something rather or I guess why is never a good scientific question, but, uh, but how can there so- be something, why something rather-
1: other than nothing is a yeah. prof- is a profound
0: scientific question also. Okay, yes, yeah, sir. sure, and it, that kind of bleeds over into philosophy a little bit, I guess. But um, uh, so, what questions can can you help us to know what questions cosmology purports to answer, and and what is outside of its scope, I guess. Tell us about the scope of cosmology. Cosmology,
1: like most scientists, I think, if, if we're within our bounds, the question is understanding the how, the what, and the how questions, not really the why. Um, up to ex- an extent, we can try to we can try to answer things why in terms of the physical sure, answers.
0: Sure, sure, yeah,
1: right. And so I, I put that more over into the how questions. Uh, absolutely. The why, as in terms of meaning, is the philosophical and theological.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, um, now <clears throat> the cosmology, as to hear you describe it, it doesn't tell us. It doesn't tell us who or what provided the initial conditions or, or the conceptual framework. Uh, this is the work of philosophy or theology. Even you know yep. who or what provided the conceptual framework and initial conditions for in which these vacuum fluctuations or whatever and I. Probably when you hear me say these kinds of things, you think, oh, he's just cherry-picked from some, you know, glossary that he doesn't understand. And that's true. Um, but uh, but talk a little bit about how it's possible for a cosmologist to be a person of religious faith as you are. I mean, we we see people like the late Stephen Hawking, uh, others uh, that were seemingly not persons of religious do you find a dissonance between those two ways of knowing? Uh, I think, like Stephen Hawking,
1: um, his views changed and evolved uh, over time. And uh, you know, some um, scientists and sociologists of science have, have tried to examine that, but sure. I, I won't get into that. Um, but his view eventually was becoming that the existence of the physical laws are self-explanatory. And okay. not
0: dependent on
1: right. that, that God or an anything. An equation is the answer to itself. Interesting. Or the physical laws are answers to themselves. Why are they? They are because they are. Okay. Uh, but And, and uh, theists in science would also answer, would question, is that true? Is there deeper meaning to them? Yeah. And science itself cannot cannot uh, explain that. And it's not set up to
0: explain it. It's not anti that, it's not but anti, it's just no. not set up to answer that.
1: It's basically saying is is... The science is the physical realm, all that there is, is it self-explanatory or are there causes or explanations beyond? Sure.
0: And so it's really,
1: uh, scientists when we're doing science really are um, uh, taking a view called methodological naturalism. Methodological naturalism says we are examining the physical to explain the physical.
0: Right. And, and we would hope that that would be the case. I mean, yes, because, but
1: ontological naturalists say that's all there is. You can only answer the physical through the physical. One okay. is saying it's a me, it's a method and a process. The other says that's all you can do.
0: Uh, I see. and that okay. is
1: really the difference between. Stephen Hawking's was the ontological naturalism.
0: Got it. This this is all there is, and, and you're taking. We're going to examine all that we can see. Uh, I and guess is and not, not exclude.
1: External theological factors. Sure. Got it. Got it. Um, but that also doesn't say that we're using a God of a Gaps approach to saying that if we don't understand something, God is responsible for it. Right. To saying um, we're until still you going to figure look it for out. Scientific processes. Right. But that does not exclude theological. Sure. Uh, a or, God, or divine interaction.
0: I'm glad you brought that up because the, this God of the Gaps approach does sometimes. Uh, sometimes, people who. Especially in people who may be, as you say, ontological naturalists, they accuse uh, others or they say that that's, we need God, we used to need God up until you know, we could explain how things worked and then we don't need God and as we find out more and more, we will need God less and less. That's the God of the gaps. And they thing.
1: try to ex- exclude God as the gaps are filled in. Right, exactly. Rather than exactly. looking at the whole complete picture and saying that there is a divine explanation for the... All that exists. Yes. Why is there something other than nothing? It's absolutely. the explanation for, or an understanding of the something rather than nothing. Okay. Rather than the d- things we may not understand within the something.
0: Now I read a chapter in a book uh, that that uh, the chapter you wrote in this book very interesting, so interesting that I wished I could understand it, um, and it no I, I i felt like i was trying to understand and i could understand about 45% maybe 40 that's maybe generous i don't know let's be honest i understood 25% of it but um but it was so interesting that's
1: good i keep reading through my own chapter and have trouble understanding <laughs> it
0: well that's the way when i read through sermons that i've r- delivered that's kind of the feeling i get too so uh, maybe it's not you uh but i i just um, I, I was fascinated, one of the things I was fascinated by, and one of the things I do understand in, in the chapter that you wrote uh, in this book is this thing called NIODA, N-I-O-D-A, it's an acronym. It, it is. Non-Interventionist Objective Divine Action. Yes. Uh what is that? Talk about that. Well,
1: it's a, it's a term that was uh, defined and created by uh, Bob Russell, who is uh, a former particle theor- uh, experimentalist and, and is uh, founder and co-director of, of uh, CTNS, the Center for Theology and the Natural Sciences, which is now, um, it's, it's been associated with, and, and uh, the last couple of years it became um, a division of the Graduate Theological Union uh, okay. in, in Berkeley. Got it. Uh, and um, and, would, and
0: Dr. Russell is one other example of one of these uh, scientists who is also uh, a believer. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay.
1: And it's something and, um, that he uses when he's searched to understand how God and God is creator. And basically, I'm going to be speaking whenever I speak of, of God now in the role of, of uh, creator specifically, not... Dwe- uh, dwelling on the other aspects of, of the Christian Trinity. Sure. But God, is, as creator, how does um, God interact with creation?
0: And that's a very important question, I think. I mean, and th- for,
1: for Bob Roberts, he was one, uh, excuse me, Russell, uh, he proposed that when he examines the evidence and the history, that fundamentally God's means of interaction is to uh, work with and through the physical laws that are the foundation of our universe that were, that was uh, God's choice for this universe. Okay. That God is not going beyond the own, is not, is not acting in ways that are outside of the process or the processes that God set for this universe.
0: Are, are you saying then that he, he is not given to breaking the physical laws in order to get something done? Yes. F- okay. Fundamentally,
1: that is the... The, the um, assumption that, uh, that that Bob makes in in Iota, excluding, okay. uh, a, 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 say, the life of Jesus of Nazareth,
0: excluding that that but would it, be it's
1: not denying the miracles of Jesus of Nazareth.
0: Okay, all right. But
1: in the general process of how God works within creation, it is through an Iota approach, and he 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 focuses on. Uh, one possibility out of two. Uh, another, another person who takes a similar approach to this, but doesn't call it by the name Nyota, is uh, John Polkinghorne. John Polkinghorne. Uh, John okay. Polkinghorne w- uh, w- uh, went also the way from, as a scientist, uh, and, and also um, uh, um, um, uh, a, a priest okay. of, the, uh, of the English church. That's right, yeah. And uh, there's two different ways in which there's freedom seen within the physical laws. One is at the level of quantum mechanics, very, very small um, volumes of space-time, very quick interactions that occur fundamentally all over. And the other is through something known as, as chaos theory, which says that even the classical laws of Newton that we all live with, there are systems in which infinitesimal difference can have profound and almost indeterminable outcomes unless you are fully knowledgeable of all the, of all of the um, situations of the say the momentum and position of particles right so if pra- you think, if you 're a little bit off the implications of what you might predict as occurring um, you can be totally wrong. The idea that comes about sometimes is the idea that say weather is uh, a chaotic system such that whether or not a bird in brazil uh, flaps its wings at one instant may determine whether or not a storm occurs in new york city a week later
0: okay so chaos theory chaos would... theory
1: but, right. Uh focuses on uh, god how the ways in which god can interact through chaos theory um, bob russell focuses more on the ways that god can interact and have profound differences through the freedom that exists in quantum mechanics Quantum mechanics is more, is in a sense, the probabilities of, like, flipping a coin. Does it come up heads or tails? Um, and if you think of it as much more fundamental interactions than that, there are always these choices at any given time that are not predictable.
0: Like where a subatomic particle may be at any given yes, microsecond.
1: Or, you know, a, or a, a, a pound of uranium that's decaying every... Um, Over every 7,000 years, half of the uranium will have decayed. But which individual atoms decayed is unpredictable.
0: Okay. All right. So, how, what are you talking about in the way that God may find room to work in all of that? That's
1: basically what what Nyota uh, proposes. That 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 it's, it's divine interaction in some sense without directly and obviously interacting.
0: Okay. So it's, It it is the way that he moves things along in the world that he wishes to move along.
1: In a subtle, in a much more subtle way than we might be looking for.
0: Okay. So God is at work in the very fabric of reality, really, uh, in that view.
1: In some sense, in the whole picture, rather than believing that God would interact in what we might uh, claim as a traditional miracle, as zap something changed but All it's right. s- subtle ways within the process within the laws
0: so what does this do to our notion of miracles then
1: to me it says that we may not be needing to look for demand for the action of god it's not it's it's in a much more subtle way than we may expect
0: okay so if if you know if i if a if a if i have cancer and then i go and I pray, uh, Lord, heal me, and I go back to the oncologist and the scan shows that there is no cancer, then I, what do I say? Do I say, the Lord answered my prayer? I, I would say that.
1: That's a good question, because at the same time, the answer might be yes, but at the same time is, what does a person say who goes home after the doctor telling them that there was no change in the cancer. Yeah,
0: and, and so, and that's my point. I mean, we, we we can be kind of glib about that, can't we? Well, you know, and I, I may say to people, well, it's evident that God answers prayer, and then how does the person hear that who suffers with cancer and dies. And then you can't, uh, yeah. That's, and I then think that's do, you, do you say God doesn't so people answer? People claiming prayer?
1: that this was an obvious miracle, I think then you really have to ask, it was the other, let's say, call it, was it an anti-miracle?
0: Right. Okay, great point. And, and then and then people would say, well, we try to rescue that and say, well, it's a miracle that he could live vibrantly through suffering, you know, if the person uh, doesn't get healed. But is that a miracle or is that God just building is character Is it just the freedom person? in
1: nature that God has allowed? Sure. Part of Niota, too, is the vast freedom that God likely allows through all levels of creation, that it's, uh, that there is a profound freedom as a gift to creation.
0: Now, there is one bubble of exception that you brought about or you mentioned here, and that is the, the life and work of Jesus Christ, and particularly the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, so, you do see this as an exception to niota non-interventionist objective divine action i think
1: we would have to i don't okay. think there's any All alternative right. so uh, to that
0: god is in jesus christ god was breaking physical laws right and left is that what was going on there in that in
1: particular yes okay In some of the others, I think. In in resurrection, in particular. In the resurrection, yes. A reverse
0: of entropy, as I think Matthew Benish and you and I were talking, and Matthew Benish said, "Well, that's a that's a reversal of of entropy." It is, which yeah, which
1: which actually is not a violation of the physical laws.
0: Okay, well then it's not. We generally think
1: it is, but it's an improbable event.
0: An improbable event.
1: Entropy itself is sort of entropy is not actually a physical law which is interesting and could be a whole it's a, discussion by itself. Okay, it's a right. pattern and description of what is most probable. Okay, all right. Uh, but, uh, so it's entry.
0: improbable that people would rise from the dead. Yeah, it is. So, and yeah. it's stronger than that. Right, yeah. You know? But some, sometimes really I impossible. think
1: that what we would call a miracle, uh, I think the way that the uh, people of the first century AD perceived things as a miracle, the miracle was actually... St- if it was a physical event, was actually much stronger than they realized. Okay, it also say more means, about that. Yeah, I will. For example, one, one, one example that I use a lot is the miracle of, of Jesus at the wedding of Canaan, um, accredited to turning water into wine.
0: Yes, in the but, six stone jars. Yeah, in the yeah. six
1: stone jars. Back then, there was um, even the, the Hebrews perceived more the idea of five different essences. And each essence really, there was not much, there was not a lot of difference, say, between liquids. There was um, fire, water, uh, dirt, air, and then the, the last thing, the unknown, they called the quintessence. Okay. But say, water into wine, turning that was not as much a miracle as perceived by them as I think we actually would need to accredit it. For example, if it was just pure water, hydrogen and oxygen, Yes. There, no, there would be no carbon, no nitrogen, any of the extra elements that are present for wine. That Kay. means if, for the turning of the water into wine, for Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, with full knowledge of the process, had to understand n- nuclear science. That means transformation of oxygen and hydrogen atoms into, to include carbon and nitrogen and whatever else gave flavor to the wine.
0: Okay. Which would imply some radiation there. That's
1: the other thing too. It would have the, the real miracle was the absorption of the radiation that would have been required if it was a nuclear process to, to, to absorb it and cause it to cease to exist without killing everybody
0: else in the room. That's just freaking <laughs> amazing. Uh, okay, and and so weird. Uh, I'm seeing a a new. Netflix series of the life of Christ. Um, or walking on water. Man, uh, right. that
1: there would have been some, Jesus of Nazareth perceived some way of overcoming gravitational force.
0: Yeah. Wow. We need that now for travel to, to, I don't know. Anyway, um, so that, okay, that's, that is amazing. That is amazing. And by the way, I don't know if you've ever read anything by the late philosopher Dallas Willard, but he uh, he does mention that one of the things that he says is Jesus wasn't just nice. You know, we always think of Jesus as this nice, Jesus wasn't just nice, he was brilliant. And um, and Willard would have said and did say that Jesus understood uh, n- nuclear physics. I mean, he he's the son of God. Uh, in his divine uh, knowledge, he would certainly understand nuclear physics. And he says that God... Has these not this knowledge, and he he um, gives it out, you know, little by little. And a lot of scientific enterprise, a lot of the advancements in science have come as flashes of insight. And he attributes that to God, you know, sort of leaking that knowledge out little by little because we couldn't take it if he did any more of that. But but that was just interesting how you would you you would we would say, okay, if if the Lord Jesus understood nuclear physics, he would surely understand that these people for whom he's doing this miracle, there's going to be nobody left to drink the wine and, you know, they're going to be dead of radiation sickness unless he takes these steps. That's amazing. Or
1: does that also indicate something about the nature of the Trinity, that it was Jesus of Nazareth praying for these things and the actual process being done through God as creator, first person of the Trinity. Uh, okay, uh, and that's absolutely. The other thing. Absolutely. Because, you know, um, the, the uh, Synoptic Gospels speak of Jesus growing wise and that's learning. That's true. He, he grew so, in wisdom and stature. And, as, as taught by humans. Yeah, so, yeah and that's the, right. And in Scripture. So, that I think, for me, that also raises an issue of who, act, what, who actually had that knowledge well, in the and, and
0: he Well, and Jesus did, he did uh, discipline Himself in those ways of, of praying and solitude. He followed the spiritual disciplines. Why? Because this is the way that He remained in the Father's will. And he, he even said, the Father is always working. And so, anyway, that's just fascinating. Now, um, let, let's, let's talk uh, about this. And I, I think you've answered some of these questions. It's, we're unable to ascertain often uh, if there has been divine action or whether there has been divine action. And we need to be careful. Don't we? And uh, your example of the man who is not healed of cancer—we um, can wound or do harm if we are too glib with our uh, declarations. Well, God must have acted. Uh, I think
1: so. I think I think we can learn a lot we could, from from that.
0: We could. We need some more humility there, perhaps. Um, okay. Is there room for God? And and you've said this. Uh, but there is room for God at the classical and the quantum mechanical levels of reality. So, so God, in those uncertainty areas of uncertainty, which way is the coin going to land, uh, this is often where God is active, correct?
1: Yes, and at the same time, as we talk more about the idea of multiverse and the different types, and in science is, we use the, the, the term levels of multiverse, has come to be proposed. We also see, from the theological aspects, alternative views or understandings of this too, of how of a niota process for God to interact, given that our universe may not be the only one. And we'll okay. talk about that in a little bit too. Now, now, in, and in it's fact, a different perception of the same realities, but different perception of them for okay. divine
0: niota. Okay. Well, let's talk about what you've this word that you've raised here, multiverse. Multiverse, um, and why does it necessarily follow from quantum theory? It follows. First uh, of all, what is it? What, what is, is it? the multiverse? It's the
1: idea of our universe not necessarily being the only one. And multiverse theories propose that uh, say let's say them multiverse hypotheses. Hypotheses are proposals that are scientifically consistent, that have ways of being investigated. uh, And if there is, as evidence of support grows, then eventually it reaches the level of theory. But right now we would say multiverse hypothesis.
0: Now, Gerald, when you say other universes, you're not, I mean, let's be clear. You're not talking about another planet. You're not talking about another solar system. You're not talking about another galaxy. You're talking about another set. You're, another set of realities.
1: Yeah, and uh, basically, our universe is defined as everywhere in space-time that we could that we can find that's connected together, in which the laws of nature are the same. Okay. A universe separate from ours could have vastly differing physical laws. And When I talk about physical laws, I'm talking about the four fundamental physical laws, gravity, electromagnetics, and the strong and weak nuclear forces. So there could
0: be another universe in which gravity does not exist. Um, Right. Or, okay.
1: And more dominantly, gravity. Gravity actually tends to be the, uh, the common aspect okay. of all of them. Right. As something it's something fundamental, but electromagnetics time. and strong and weak nuclear, there could be four, there's, those are four forces. There could be five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. In the process that in, in one particular approach to multiverse proposals, there can be up to 22 different forces. Okay. Um, that's, and so, That's too many. Yeah. Yeah, but, too many. Uh, yeah. I'm, d- I'm
0: still dealing with gravity. And I don't know. These, uh, are
1: all, these are separate regions of disconnected space-time, disconnected like from ours. Like we can't
0: get there from here.
1: Not necessarily unless they're close enough together. There have been some proposals how wormholes, what we're all becoming more familiar with, could yes, connect universes yes. that have similar enough physical laws, but the laws of nature are so far apart and different, no, they could not be connected Got at it. all.
0: Wow, this is so...
1: How has that come about? I'd like to take a second,
0: if we could, on that, and how we've eventually abso- led you, to this. Is it time to... Can yeah, we like, can we I'd show like the...
1: To, I'd like to make reference to these.
0: Yeah, there we go. We had it for a second. Okay. This is the current understanding of our universe. Yes. Right here. Yes. No, I'm kidding. No. It's not. I am too, yeah. <laughs>
1: Basically, what scientists have, have tended to divide up is... The understanding of the physical laws of the physical world in terms of a few separate stages called paradigms and paradigms are not the, the actual scientific description of the of the uh, physical realm but how humans have perceived them and the, uh, We go back early enough to prehistory and there were a lot of Mythological proposals, but I'm going to start at a dominant one that was being viewed um, by the time of in the mid East by the time of the Old Testament up through uh, first century A.D. Um, for Israel and only up to about 300 B.C. for for Greece, okay. and that was what is known as the three tier uh, re- uh, reality, and basically uh, three tier deemed saw three different levels of the physical world. We all were seen as on the earth and this was just the perception of, uh, you can also call it as a regional perception, the land that people lived on, the surface, the earth. Uh, And it was seen, that you look up and it was thought that there was a spherical covering as discussed and presented in uh, the uh, Genesis uh, stories. The, The firmament of the heavens in which there was water above and the water below in which the land mass floated on. And this, the, the water below was seen as a primeval ocean, both by the Hebrews and the Greeks, basically a consistent picture within the mid, Mideast region, the underworld, the land of the dead. And the, it was seen that the, uh, the, the Earth itself was floating on the primal ocean, But there was above the heavens uh, uh, above, firmament of the heavens, and then depending on the theology of the the Hebrews or the Greeks and all, differing understanding of the the fire above and of the heavens above. Uh, But gradually, and this was lasting again until about 300 BC for the Greeks, by the time of the Greeks... The Greeks had, were beginning to do scientific analysis, and had come up with the geocentric paradigm. It's okay. called, called geo-centric, meaning the Earth-centered. Right. Earth was the center. Um, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn had been observed. The planets were known to be circling the Earth, as was the sun. And again, it was this geocentric picture that lasted the, pretty much the longest of any, up right up until the 1600s, until we went into, The heliocentric paradigm as copernicus and all really observed by scientific evidence the use of the telescope and observation of the of the orbits of the of the planets that the sun was the center and it's it's grown we'd gone through a local regional centric geocentric heliocentric identified the earth as one planet of
0: several circling So so we were sort of moving away from this idea that we were the unique planet. Yes, it planet wasn't us. We were the, not the yeah. center. Yeah. The reality was growing in depth, in complexity,
1: in size and volume. We get up to the galactocentric paradigm, 1800s through the 1920s. Yeah. And this was the realization that was there was hundreds of billions of stars. Ours was one of them. And that it had been proposed that each of these stars maybe had planets like us. No proof until this century.
0: And we're not even at the center of of no, the Milky
1: Way? We're you can see where you, we are. You are here. You are here. That's yeah. about where our and It was very
0: is. nice of, uh, of the uh, planners to put that sign there uh, so that we yeah. would know <laughs> as we were approaching the Milky Way. This actually uh, is
1: not our Milky Way, but it's the Andromeda, which right, looks a exactly, lot like it. Right. We've never gone far enough exactly. to get a picture like that. But, I mean, <laughs> it's supposed to be the Milky Way. Right. This was the picture, and this is the, the Milky Way galaxy is about 100,000 light years in width In the diameter. It means traveling at the speed of light, it would take 100,000 years to go from one end to another, and it's about 10,000 light years in thickness. Okay. This was thought to be all of reality, that space and time, that there was nothing beyond a single galaxy. Even as Einstein was working on general relativity and special relativity in 1905 and general relativity in 1916, this was thought to be everything. And it was amazing. The
0: the one galaxy. One galaxy.
1: Until Hubble and astronomers like him who were, who were observing um, that there were many, many other galaxies. And this is-
0: That's a deep field view from the Hubble telescope, yes, isn't it? Yeah, not
1: by Hubble, but us, the telescope that oh. was accredited to him. OK, OK. Yeah, I mean, I should yeah. say not by him. Yeah, he, not by him Not, not by him, but yeah. it was by us in the, in the, in the last <laughs> yeah. couple of decades. These, each of these is an individual galaxy here. The size of ours, ours is about average. Each That's one amazing. each one containing on the order of a trillion stars. And there's about a trillion of these, too. And this is just the A obs- trillion galaxies. A trillion galaxies with about a trillion stars each. And those are just the observable. Those are the ones that are observed in what we call the observable universe, the part of the universe that we can see because it takes light time to travel. We can only see up to about 14 billion light years away. Okay. We're seeing these. Amazing. And so yeah. this is really... The observable region of the universe, it's not block shaped but I'm using just this to try to show three dimensions in the picture. Sure. Trillions of galaxies, trillions of stars per galaxy. That's where we are. And that's, wow. we've gone, we've, we, we've been there in what I'll call the universe-centric picture from the 1920s to the current 21st century. The idea we're at when we look at... And yeah, you
0: put that question mark there, because, because we're shifting again.
1: We are shifting again to what I think is the next stage. And this is what's being called the, the multiverse-centric, multi-universe, or, or multiverse for short. And that's saying that there's evidence, as, we, as cosmologists seek to understand the physical process describing the, cre- the creation of our universe... The processes, as they're being understood now, are ones that predict many universes being created at this around the same time and continually to be created, like ours. That ours is likely not the only universe, and it also suggests that each universe does not have to have the same physical laws like us. They can, like ours does, it, they can vary too.
0: Amazing.
1: Until we're yeah, and and we, we now that's know, not.
0: This is. This is the our history universe. of our universe. This is
1: our here. universe, but it goes back to a creation point, okay. the very beginning. Yeah. and at that point, we know we're. And that's what we call the, the Big Bang, physics. or is that? Wh- yeah, what? the Big Bang. Okay. And also, inflation, Big Bang, which means that for a very short time, the, the, our universe was expanding faster than the speed of light. It's okay. A, it, it, it was actually specifically it was known as an exponential inflation. Okay. And it lasted for an infinitesimally short time. It just ballooned universe, up really yeah, fast. Yeah, the observable universe, and I stress the observable, but the part that we can actually detect and see, went from a size that was, uh, within this short time, was, was a billionth of a trillionth the size of a single atom to about the size of a
0: basketball in okay. a fraction of a second. Okay, just I have to understand this, just a second. No, I, there was no way I could understand it, but uh, I just want to hear this again. It went from a billionth of a trillionth the size of an atom right? Yes, the, yes. A billionth of a, of a trillionth, trillionth of the size, of, the size, of, an size of an atom to the size of a basketball. Yeah.
1: Yes. Our three height, width, depth, dimensions. In Do the, the visible
0: s- part that we can see. We
1: don't know how big the whole universe actually was. We only know how small and what size the stuff that we can see now So the universe
0: was. at some point was the size that we can see was the size of a basketball? Yeah. Do the spurs know about this? Uh, no, I don't know. Anyway, uh, okay, so... And now
1: it's... Now that's,
0: that's, how and how dense did that have to be then? Very dense
1: and very hot. Trillions of degrees and really dense. And it was at that point, as it began to expand, energy started collapsing into individual particles. And we got mass out of the vast energy.
0: So how, okay, so it just, at, at a very short time, it went to basketball size. How long did it take to get bigger than that?
1: It's been expanding.
0: Well, I mean, up until the present day, of course. It's, but yeah, I mean, it's
1: been going, it's been... Overall, the uh, one relative speed we can think of it uh, speed. The further away objects are, the faster they're moving apart in the universe. But relatively uh, speaking, it was essentially slower than the speed of light, um, okay. with a
0: fraction. Okay. All right.
1: That's uh, technically that's not quite correct to say that because it varies with distance again. But I'll just give that as a as an example.
0: Um, oh, that's so weird. Okay. Uh, that's just amazing. All right, so it's expanding.
1: And it continues. And we've discovered through in just the last, you know, since 1997, that it's expanding, but for the last 7 billion years, it's accelerating in uh, It's in getting expansion. faster
0: at getting bigger?
1: Yes, it's faster now than it was when we woke up this morning. The, the space between galaxies. Galaxies have oh, enough put, gravitational put mic, mass. Gravi- galaxies have, have enough gravitational mass to overcome this space expansion effect of dark energy. But the, the distance between galaxies is expanding.
0: So everywhere. 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 At, at, at every point, it's, it's, everything's getting farther apart.
1: Unless there's ma- uh, sufficient mass density to overcome that. And okay. Around us, yeah, there is. It, space is not expanding. We're not.
0: Okay, all right. But yeah, our, Unless we eat too much. Our galaxy, yeah. Is getting farther away from all the other galaxies. Yes. Except Caveat:
1: gal- Galaxies will also form superclusters orbiting around each other, and that's stable too. But okay. when we go groups of galaxies compared to groups of galaxies, space between them is expanding. Okay.
0: All right. So, um, okay. Can can keep and we going. go
1: we go, go back on. and back until this point when we try to describe scientific processes that can explain Big Bang inflation. And when it gets to that, we know the process well. When it gets to that. What we come to is a stage where there's different proposals for a physical inflation, Big Bang inflation process, but they all have something in common. They all suggest that it's very, very improbable for just one universe to pop into existence. And the, the analogy that I like to use... Oh, okay,
0: okay, say that again. It's improbable yes. that only one universe would pop into existence.
1: When described by a scientific physical process, yes. Okay. All right. and the analogy that I like to use is a pot of boiling water. You, you've, you've set uh, a pot of, of, say, water to heat for a tea. You're, you set your stove to 100 degrees Celsius. So
0: you're at sea level.
1: Sea level, 100 degrees Celsius. Atmospheric pressure is what it is yep.
0: there. And all the initial conditions are, are right. They're all
1: right. And you expect okay. to see boiling water at 100 degrees Celsius. What do you expect to see when you have boiling water? Bubbles. Let's say you have your pot and you see one bubble. And you wait. You waited five more minutes. No more bubbles. An hour. No more bubbles. A year. No more bubbles. Getting really, really improbable. Natural boiling process says that there's going to be multiple bubbles. What's happening is the, the water molecules are breaking up into hydrogen and oxygen gas and forming the bubbles that then escape to the surface. You're, it's,
0: uh, now the, the analogy then to the, the universe is forming is that there's this, there's this stuff there that flat surface there, the bumpy surface yeah. is boiling.
1: Sort of unstable space-time. space-time. Sometimes it goes by the scientific name of space-time soup.
0: Okay, space-time soup. I've heard, I've heard you say spacetime foam. That's the other one too, okay. space-time foam, these and real it's, scientific it's, terms. It's boiling and roiling and writhing, and these bubbles are popping up from it that are actual entire universes.
1: Yes, yeah, and they expand, and they don't need to have the same shape. They can have different uh, vacuum energy densities. So
0: that, that's what these these are different shaped universes right here. They, these, they look these, like these are different
1: shaped, right? And ours is the one would be. Representative this looks like the,
0: the hot air balloon, you know, thing in New Mexico that they yeah, have. If you look uh, at that top
1: one, it's opening up and expanding. That's representing a universe like ours that is accelerating in expansion. The, uh, it has a positive vacuum energy density. Universes could, likely, could likewise have negative energy densities. Those are going to be ones that, instead of accelerating and expansion, they're going to start contracting again and close up on themselves. And those would be represented by ones that start out expanding, then contract again, and then disappear. Okay. And those are likely too. You have a whole range of possible different universes, different physical laws. One particular approach wow. called string theory, which was what my d- dissertation was on, I studied under one of the founders of it. String theory. String theory. theory. Okay. I don't want to go into the details of it, but there are right now there's about a half dozen proposals that um, go by different names. String theory, loop quantum gravity, uh, causal triangular um, dimensions, things like that. D- name doesn't matter, but there's about a half dozen. They have, s- they have somewhat different physical processes involved, but there's an overall theme that mo- that a vast number of dimensions of universes are predicted from all of them. String theory itself says that there could be, on the order of a one with about 500 zeros after it, universes with different physical laws.
0: So I, I was just going to say, how many of these different universes are we dealing with? And one? to the power, or 10 to the power, or 1? Yeah, I'm three. sorry, I said 1, but yeah, I'm not going to make the mistake the power that of Spock did in Star
1: Trek once. 10 to a uh, uh, ten with 500? Uh, to the uh, 500 zeros power. I, I said it right the first time, I'm sorry, getting mixed up. A 1 with 500 zeros after it, which would be 10 to the 500, basically. Okay. That's a lot of universes. Yes, yeah.
0: That's unbelievable, uh, almost, I mean, except, it, I guess, it may be true. Uh, so this is what we're looking at here, then all these universe is popping into existence and each one of these is an entire universe with like ours has people in it and these other universes may have whatever the definition of people is in that universe.
1: Yeah and the, the, what could exist Some we'd look at the physical laws. does that universe have physical laws that allow for complex uh, complexity and complex life forms to develop? Universe, wow. u- different universes could contain vastly differing um, uh, sen- uh, sentient people.
0: Okay. All right. And now that has some theological implications to it. But first of all, I want to ask you, what does what are the chances that there is another that there's another me in one of those universes out there? And, and my wife is saying, please let there only be one. Uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway. Mine uh, too. <laughs> yeah, right. One,
1: um, Max Tegmark at University of Chicago has investigated that question, except he's investigated simply within our own universe. And not our own observable universe, but our universe as a whole, going way beyond the observable part and under the assumption that are the universe outside what we can see, doesn't differ from what we can see. Okay. All right. It's saying that if we went to the boundary of wh- of where we could see right now, we've traveled in a um, faster than light spaceship. We're there now. We can see past it. We're not going to see much, anything really different on average.
0: Okay. We've stars and stars, galaxies and, like we yeah. have. Okay.
1: And he has investigated the probability that similar things will be created. Um, elsewhere in the universe. In, our use, own universe, in our own universe. He argues okay. that you, you start with the fundamental matter, electrons, protons, neutrons, you have a fundamental number of elements. You can only make a fundamental number of different things with those elements. So the more particles you get, the more different things you can get. But there's still just a finite number of things that, can be comp- that, that could be formed from those particles. And so he's actually using that. He's, he's estimated probabilities that similar things could be in existence elsewhere in our galaxy, and uh, excuse me, in the universe, and how far away you would need to have a volume of the universe in which those two things appear in the same volume and obviously the more complicated things that you're trying to find matches of the larger volume in the universe you would have to have so yeah this is respected work he's actually gone and computed rough probabilities of say finding um a planet that looks really close to or even exactly like earth you mean even with the land mass and land mass around it yeah
0: Masses.
1: Yes. Uh, wow. Or even to the point of, and it, we're talking extremely far away distances for the probabilities to be anywhere above, ab- much above zero. Finding even matching people, and he calls them doppelgangers. Doppelgangers, yeah. Uh, you okay. know, say, and and he's, he's worked out probabilities. You can look it up and determine how probable it is that there is you and me sitting just like this, and all, everyone in the audience. But you're wearing a red shirt instead of a blue one.
0: That's you're really you're really just freaking me out. Uh, so I, I and it really I read this I read some of that in your chapter. You know you you talked about doppelgangers a little bit, and then I I was really feeling anxiety about that because uh, really I thought well how is God going to pay attention to me? You know if there's another me uh, out there. And then you said, in your book, even, uh, or in the chapter, you said we already have doppelgangers around here on our own planet.
1: Yeah, this is a vast extension of it. But what I, what I, when I was dealing with the same issue, I was thinking, you know, yeah, how do we consider twins? Triplets? Yeah. Quadruplets? Uh, quintuplets? How far, how many? Copies of ourselves do we need to start doubting whether I'm a unique individual? Yeah. You could have a vast number of, of, of identical people to you, but we recognize that each one is an individual. Each one is responsible for their own actions.
0: And uh, see that that just not only did it make me feel better, but it also uh, is an amazing thing about when you think about God relating to people, it he he does relate to people each individual as an individual. It doesn't matter what kind of, you know, appearance or if that person is an identical copy or whatever, That that is a person. Yeah. And that's, that's just an amazing thing to think I mean, about.
1: Whatever the volume, the complexity of creation, the creator has to be larger than that.
0: Well, and that's what I... In I'm, a metaphorical sense, when I, I say large. Sure, in science, of course. And that's what I... That, that's what I, I began to lift out of this whole notion of the multiverse, is that God is vaster than we perhaps had thought. Um, and so, now, um, you talk talk a little bit about God's seal of approval, and this is something that I, I'm really fuzzy on uh, here. You talk about this concept of God's seal of approval, what do you mean by that in, the, in terms of the multiverse?
1: It's a term that I have to give uh, other um, Christian uh, physicists and cosmologists credit for. Um, say, Don Page. Uh, Don Page is a Christian uh, in, up in uh, Canada, uh, University of Alberta. He was um, a colleague of Stephen Hawking. And he really? wrote several papers with Stephen Hawking. And he is uh, a firm evangelical. Wow. Uh, in fact, he stayed. Wow. He he, he um, helped um, um, Hawking's uh, first wife take care of Hawking, and lived in Hawking's home, and actually tried to convert Hawking, and was unsuccessful wow. uh, of that. But wow. uh, he and uh, there is another cosmologist uh, at uh, Wa- University of Waterloo who have addressed the issues of uh, the problem of evil in the multiverse. If God allows everything to exist, that means that there may be some universes in which um, uh, pain is, is extremely dominant, and natural evil might be uh, the general pattern of things. Is there a limit that God would allow? And this is what, what, what they've accredited to uh, God's mark of approval of a universe. Is it, does God set limits on what can exist?
0: You know, this is interesting, um, the, the novelist Stephen King uh, often delves into, uh, of course he's a fantasy and horror writer, but he seems to posit that there are kinds of universes in which pain is dominant, and that's what you would get if you didn't have God's seal of approval, I guess. Uh,
1: uh, yeah, and, and that's what they've addressed, and there, there are some Christian cosmologists who have problems with the idea. Um, and so they've, they've said that if if they're going to accept multiverse, there have to be some limits to what could exist.
0: So God, as sovereign outside of all multi, uh, of all universes, sitting there looking at these universes, would n- not allow a univ- not allow a bubble to form that w- he's understood would be evil dominant.
1: Yes. Up to, okay. And so it's uh, like Don Page has proposed some numeric method of, ad, of setting some numeric limit to it. Does the ultimate pain in this universe uh, surpass some maximum some loud value? A threshold. A threshold like the, that God has set. How that could be, we don't know, but again. That well, that's be.
0: consistent with what we read in Scripture of, you know, you, God says to the sea, you know, to the waters, you will go this far and no farther, you know, in Job. I mean, people have been wrestling with that kind of thing uh, for a long time.
1: Yeah, so it, it's nothing really new. It's just new bounds to contemplate.
0: And that's kind of amazing to think about. It's, it's just another way of viewing what we have wrestled with for yeah, all of our lives. Yeah, and it deals
1: with things that, could, that God could theorize could exist, but, may not be allowed, but God may not allow it to be realized.
0: I see. And in in
1: some sense, too, it's, again, I want to go back to, as we talked a little bit about, uh, St. Augustine's picture of what he called uh, a block universe. Yes. And that has to do with, uh, Augustine proposed, was one of the first, really, to deal with relativity. And he realized okay, that... Yeah, that's an amazing statement
0: yeah, right there, but you're... Uh,
1: but in, in some sense, yeah, meta- yeah. metaphorically, but he realized that space and time were connected. And he, he, he proposed that God as creator could picture the entire history of this universe all at once. And he thought of it, he proposed sort of like a table. And a table length along this direction and some width along this direction. If, if you just allow, imagine that we can only move in, a, in one dimension and we can move back and forth across the table and forward in time this way. And each of us have different paths. We start, we're born, we die, we have different paths along the picture, but at one end of the table is the beginning of the universe, and it might go on forever, or there's an end to the universe. But God sees the whole table at once. And we are on the table, we make decisions, we have free will to choose our paths. And simultaneously, as creator, God can see the paths that we choose. And for looking on the table, past, present, and future Mm. are all the same. But for us on the table, we see our past, we see our present, we see our future. And in some sense, it's working out free will and divine will at the same time. That's amazing.
0: That is amazing. And again,
1: this was Saint Augustine. I can't take credit for any of this.
0: Yeah.
1: So in some sense, God, if we we set some limit on the universes that could exist and have uh, low enough pain, suffering threshold, God could actually see each of these and say, yes, that is allowed to exist from my, from, from my thought to reality. That one is not.
0: Uh, wow. Incredible. Okay, uh, what then are, um, first of all, I want to ask you this, can we ever, will there ever be a day that we can test this? Some people say, oh, string theory, oh, we can't test it, it's untestable, you know, uh, you know. it. So. Is it sort of like Einstein's work? I mean, for a long time, we didn't have any ways to test these theories that that Albert Einstein came up with. And as we began to get the means to do that, we said, lo and behold, he was right. You know, um, is this like that sort of?
1: Possibly. And it's controversial. Controversial enough that there have been books written about whether current cosmology is science or not. And it's Mm a debated issue. There was a conference in Munich, Germany a, a few years ago. Which is a combination of um, theoretical physicists and cosmologists, experimental and philosophers. Okay. And it met for a week, and surprisingly, the, the overall question was is current cosmology meeting the definition as a consistent scientific process? Surprisingly or not, end of one week, undetermined answer, debated
0: undetermined answer.
1: Undetermined answer because really cosmology is going beyond what is what is known as as um, sort of satisfying the philosopher and scientist Popper's definition of a good theory. Something that is uh, can be falsified right. and testable.
0: Which it's, it's neither and of those right now. It's, it's what yeah, right it's neither the and the question is proposal. will it be?
1: And it's not yeah. just this but it's inflation as a whole cosmology where it stands is it's transforming the definition of what is good science. It's becoming more and more realizing that there are inherent philosophical aspects. And it's not quite as testable as just because we're at, that ab- at a new stage of absolute origin question. Yeah. And can we look beyond it? Uh, and th- there's a thick book, about 600 pages, de- uh, devoted to multiverse. And the title of it is Universe or Multiverse? Question mark. And it is highly debated in there. And many people, such as Don Page, uh, point out ways in which there may eventually be evidence um, verifying uh, certain types of multiverses. One of them, one of the means of possibly detecting it goes back to, oh, if we could bring this back up. Or maybe not. There we go, there we go. There we go. Let's see. We look for. Oh, well, it's near We look end. for the Union we label. For, That's what we look <laughs> for. No. Oh, there we go. The cosmic microwave background. Yes. Which has been in the news for the last couple of decades, and the cosmic microwave background is evidence of what photons looked like when the universe was about um, um, 300, about 400,000 years old. It's the earliest energy we can see. It's the yes. It's the earliest. Energy we can actually see strong evidence we can actually dis- discern. Okay, and what we see here is the, uh, this is the cosmic is the CMB cosmic microwave background uh, as it was measured a few, uh, by uh, WMAP a couple uh, in the last couple of dec- in the last decade we see color variations and that indicates slightly different temperatures with an average around 2.73 degrees above absolute zero and okay. slight variations of one part in about 10,000. Okay. And those differences indicate how much energy was spread out uh, around the universe in different, vo- in different locations. Okay. Different patterns in there can indicate um, if our universe came from another and different patterns, and if our universe ever interacted with another very early on.
0: Like bumped into another universe? Bumped
1: into another, if we see circular patterns. There were a couple circular patterns that were under investigation and eventually disproven. Uh, But yeah, there are ways of testing, and if we can see different fluctuation patterns in this that are what are known as non-Gaussian, which is a mathematical uh, term, that would be evidence
0: So it would be like a dent in our universe from another universe, or a bruise, or something? Even just the
1: origin in which the, how our universe came to be, okay. even if even without bumping, oh, I there see. could be pattern differences got it beyond what's expected
0: so yeah. maybe maybe. Uh, maybe we could test this all right uh, let me let me ask this in closing here, and we 'll get to some of these questions. Are, are there what are the implications of multiverse you know in the pr- everyday faith and practice? for a, a for a christian it, does it really matter i mean i think it's cool but does it matter
1: in our daily lives no okay in our understanding of god as creator i think it and creation i think it does i think okay. it shows us how limited our knowledge has been and our understanding of reality i think as we go through each of these different paradigms we see the growth in our human understanding of re- of what is. Sure. And I think that's telling us, we're seeing each at each stage, there is an advancement in the profoundness and the glory and beauty of creation that we see.
0: And maybe that spurs us on, and maybe there is an everyday aspect, Gerald, I don't know, but maybe that spurs us on to, to you know, the Christi- Christians were the people who built the first universities, you know, mm-hmm. because they were... They, their mind, minds were expanding about who God is. And so maybe it spurs us on as Christians to build something that, that encourages the flourishing of humanity in our own universe.
1: I think so. And w- sometimes there's also um, examples of theology like this that are, uh, we encounter uh, frequently. One of them, I think, is Chronicles of Narnia. Ah, yes. We'll t- and Anselm, uh, not Anselm, um, not Anselm the theologian, but uh, Aslan. Oh, Aslan. Asler. Yeah, I was
0: thinking An- Anselm too, yeah. <laughs> but Aslan, okay. Aslan
1: yeah. talks to the, the lion, children. The Christ figure. The, the, the Christ the, figure. Yeah. In one of the books, uh, talks to the children when they're looking in the sea. And and what do they see there? And, um, Aslan talks uh, to the children about these are the. You know the different realities in which
0: it's uh, different pools of different water, pools of water in Magician's some, nephew. I that's think. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you.
1: Yeah. and Magician's nephew, each one is showing a different reality where where Aslan is known by different names. Yes. And under but still identified. Yes. And I think we can see that as, as you know
0: parallel. Absolutely.
1: To, to yeah. life elsewhere, in this universe
0: or other or, universes. Or other universes. Yeah. That's that's amazing. Okay, well, I I think we have uh, some questions here, and um, I want to get to those. Um, And here we go. Okay. Um, Okay. Can we even begin to guess anything? really when discussing a universe that operates on a on different physical laws can we even guess what that might be at all we, we can and it, we, we can and it depends
1: on the particular um, quantum gravity theory and again quantum gravity we've talked about quantum mechanics a, a bit as we go back in time as the universe became smaller and smaller hotter and hotter as energy was more and mass was more dense Quantum gravity has to have taken over from Einstein's general relativity gravity. Okay. And each and there are these basically, as I said, half a dozen different proposals on what form quantum gravity can take. And each version of quantum gravity, if we go back to the pre-Big Bang, pre-inflation of our universes and the other and our universe and what it came from, we can make predictions. String theory, my area example, sets bounds, even though the number is large, very, very large, 10 to the 500 or so universes. There are constraints on the types of universes that could exist. And this is one test, again, for predictability. 10 to the 500 is vast, but there are constraints on the types of, uh, and combinations of forces that could exist. Okay. So if you come across and could show that our forces and all of the matter particles that we know of could not come about in a string multiverse, then that is proof that string theory is not true. Okay. It is falsifiable. Okay. And that, that is one area that has there's, there's been uh, quite a bit of research done to prove if or if not our universe can come from string theory. Uh, wow. So yeah, so you can, and that, that's one aspect that my students and I have worked on for, for, for years.
0: And and you're saying that different kinds of forces may exist in different universes, additional to the forces that we have.
1: Or in in additional and in place of. of. And our universe actually may have others that we don't experience. We don't know of. And that's uh, we we have something called dark matter, which you've probably been hearing a lot about recently. Makes up
0: most of the mass of the universe.
1: It does, yeah. Um, 80% of the mass. It's a type we don't know about. There have been tests to see if the dark matter is a type called WIMPs. Weakly interacting massive particles, which means that it, there's some connection between the forces working that dark matter works through and our known forces. They could be the same, but there's slightly slight variations in the type of matter we're familiar with. Same forces could produce, produce the observable matter and the dark matter. Mm-hmm. If true, then there's going to be weak interactions between observable matter and dark. So far, there's no evidence of the weak interaction part of dark matter. If... if if it's not weakly interacting at all, then it has to come from other forces in our universe. Oh, I see. It's just the yeah. stuff that we're made out of don't interact through those forces. Dark matter doesn't interact through electromagnetics or strong and weak nuclear. Yeah. So, so, so there we, could be more in so ours, we too. Can, okay. Wow. We don't know yet.
0: It's amazing. All right. Um, here's, here's something that I think is, is very um, crucial. Uh, do you believe probability? Should really be a part of this discussion, we didn't exist because it was probable, rather because God chose uh,
1: I think that's true okay, but probability I think does play a role in many ways when you, have a, when you view when it is perceived that God may exist through a, not exist but may act through an iota process
0: a, a, when, when there is a set of physical laws
1: that um, as, that creation has developed through.
0: Okay, okay, very good.
1: And, and in some sense, too, we can look at uh, if, if there's a system in which there is a probability that life will develop and form. And if we see God as creator, that probability is part of the process, too. Oh, right. And there could be, and there's likely, universes in a multiverse in which no... Um, intelligent life could develop even no life because it doesn't allow complex structure to develop. And that is an extension of looking in our universe and seeing the a vast number, probably the majority of planets and solar systems that themselves cannot support life.
0: Right, right. Um, if our universe is not alone, did Jesus come to other universes? That's a good question. Yeah.
1: And it... Uh, w- w- uh, that has been addressed by uh, different people, even in the somewhat smaller context of life within this universe.
0: Yeah, uh, other, other uh, solar systems elsewhere. in our own universe. There was
1: an article uh, which uh, Robin Collins at Messiah uh, College and myself were interviewed back in 2010. The article is in Christianity Today, and the writer of the article came up with the title. We didn't, but it was called Christ for the Klingons.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, you care to say any more about that, Gerald? The main voice.
1: The article is basically looking, even in the context of uh, the the orthodoxy of the proposal that the second person of the Trinity could appear in different forms, uh, in in the native form of life elsewhere in the universe. And it was the Catholic Church actually had discussed that for over a thousand years, mm-hmm. actually. Uh, that issue, and it was seen as orthodoxy, as orthodoxy that we could perceive that as as happening, and that was the dealing in the difference between the realization of the second person of the Trinity in a physical form and the second person of the Trinity um, being outside of the universe in in unity with the with the first and third uh, so persons of the Trinity.
0: it, it would be in a, at a macro level, you could say wherever there are fallen people God will save them or even unfallen okay oh really he would just live among them as as in the garden perhaps Um, Uh,
1: something like that analogy yeah
0: okay wow amazing
1: Um, again take Aslan
0: Aslan yeah indeed indeed Uh,
1: as a metaphor metaphorical representative
0: yes absolutely do multiverse theories propose many universes bubbling out at the beginning or universes budding off of one early universe as time progresses? Yes and yes, okay, so both yeah, All continuous right. and that the universes
1: themselves can have bubbles form from them, and one of the one of the realizations is that uh, this measure of the dark energy of a universe it's also known as vacuum energy and i think that's a better more scientific term if we think of it as vacuum energy vacuum energy uh, we're actually it's not talking about energy but energy density the given energy per unit volume if we and the inherent energy scale measure is the planck energy scale and so if you normalize and think of and and measure um, the dark the vacuum energy of a universe from minus one which is uh, mi- minus one unit of Planck energy density, one unit of Planck energy per Planck volume, minus one. It can go all the way from minus one up to plus one. Okay. Universes that are accelerating to contract have negative values. Universes that are flat uh, are zero value, and positive value like ours is accelerating in expansion. You can go all the way from minus one to plus one, as you, for the posi- the. More, the greater the magnitude of the, dark, of the vacuum energy, the more unstable a universe is, in particular for expand, for positive values. So it
0: could boil off? They're gonna boil into off, into and as universe. it boils off,
1: the, boil, the universes that come out of it are going to be more stable, closing in towards zero vacuum energy. Okay. And so you can a bubble, universe is bubbling. So in you fact, can predict what kind of universe. There's going to be, yeah, you can think of it as a, sort of a decay rate, and the decay rates are faster for universes that have higher vacuum energies. Okay. They're going to bubble faster. They're still going to be expanding, but they're going to bu- bubble off. And you can have those anytime You can have them, universes forming from a multiverse itself or the universes from universes decaying down. Okay. So you have both. Uh,
0: one uh, final question here, and that is, uh, do car keys and lone socks tend to travel to parallel universes? Uh, I Actually, know that this is true. Actually, I
1: think more they are stuck and lost in black holes. <laughs>
0: Yes, exactly. Never coming out. The dryer is a portal to uh, the, the, <laughs> the black hole. Okay, um, Gerald, uh, thank you for helping to blow up our minds uh, and uh, obliterate uh, some of this thinking that we thought we could do. Uh, this is fascinating. I, hope, I really hope that we can envision a grander God than we ever thought possible through this. I really do. I hope that's one of the legacies of this kind of work. That you do. That's that's my thought process. Okay, I think that's why I, I enjoy it. Let, let's let's uh, thank our guest Gerald Cleaver.